0: You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HT Smartcast. Hi, guys, I'm Prasad Banerjee and I write about tech at Mint. And this is TechCentra, a podcast where we tackle some hot topics in technology and also bust some myths. Today's episode will be hosted by RJ Ayush. Ayush is a RJ with Fever FM and hosts his own tech show called Tech Panti. Over to you, Ayush.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a very special episode brought to you by NASCOM. You're listening to TechSectra. In today's fast-paced and ever-evolving insurance market, staying ahead of the competition means delivering innovative products, providing customized customer experiences and making data-driven decisions. But how can insurance companies achieve this? The answer lies in embracing the data-driven transformation. In this episode, we will dive into the ways that an organization can embed analytics and AI throughout the entire business to drive success in the insurance market. From speedily launching new products, to providing personalized experiences at scale, to making quick and informed business decisions, we'll examine on how companies can stay ahead of the game. To gain further insight into key strategies for data-driven success in the insurance industry, we have Vikas Bhalla, a member of EXL's executive committee and head of the insurance business. Vikas has led various strategic initiatives over the years, including the launch of platforms and BPAS solutions, outcome-based engagement models, and value-driven transformation. He's presently leading eXL's move to a work-from-anyway-enabled future operating model. Hi, Vikas. Welcome to TechSectRap. How are you feeling today?
2: Thank you, Ayush. Thank you very much. Uh, wonderful to be here. And thanks thanks for having me on the show. Uh, first, before we
1: deep dive into the questions, uh, let me ask you something about yourself. Uh, give us a little bit insight about yourself. And now at eXL, how's, how's things looking up?
2: Sure. Um, You know, I'm uh, born and brought up in Delhi, largely. Uh, Though I must say, I I spent some time in Kashmir. Uh, You know, my father loves the hills, so when he got an opportunity to move there as part of his family business, um, so did I. Uh, I've been with EXCEL for the last uh, 22 years now, uh, which is about as long as the company has existed. When I joined uh, we had no clients, no revenues. We had different titles on our visiting cards, but we did just one thing, which was sell. So it has been quite a journey over the last uh, 21 years at Excel and growing it from uh, from literally zero to over 1.4 billion dollars of revenue. I've been part of almost every big and small step that the company has taken, and it's been it's been a
1: fantastic ride. Fantastic! Wow! Uh, what a beautiful journey. So let's begin and deep dive into those questions. Um, Firstly, as, as the AI technology continues to advance, how do insurance companies effectively leverage data to create targeted products while adhering to the strict data privacy regulations? And what are some of the key technical and organizational challenges they face in doing so?
2: Uh, Yes. So I think, so first of all, there's almost nothing in this world today which can escape the impact of uh, what data and the ability to use data in almost everything the business actually handles. Um, I think let's break up your question into three different parts. One is how is value being created using data and AI in insurance? Uh, Second is what kind of capabilities do organizations need to build up? Hmm. And third is what are the typical challenges that one goes through? Uh, The first part which is how value is being created. Now, almost every dimension of business has been impacted by data in terms of the pace at which you can work, the decision making, etc. And while I can actually talk about it for a very long period of time, um, let's just focus on two things on how value is getting created. One is how insurers can create personalized products and services. Mm -hmm. And second is um, how you can actually offer usage-based insurance where relevant. So let's talk of uh, an example in each. So, There is a US InsurTech, uh, which uses AI powered bots to collect and analyze customer data, almost live. It offers a virtual assistant, and then uses that information to provide customized quotes and handle payments. And all is this happening while the interaction is live with the customer. So what the customer is actually getting is, uh, is a customized service, which is using all the data elements that this InsurTech is using and is also getting a personalized product, which is being configured based on all the data elements, which is being analyzed. Hmm. This is an example of an insurtech tech using data to create personalized products and services. And as we go through the insurance industry, almost every traditional insurer or an insure tech is working on creating that. And the second is usage based uh, products where it is relevant. So an example is uh, a US, a large US uh, auto insurer. Uh, is using telematics uh, to assess um, driving behavior, to assess uh, usage of uh, the car. And it is offering that through a mobile app that the policyholder can have. And it's tracking that data to look at both the driving behavior as well as usage of the car and then offering premiums based on that. And the premium gets adjusted um, as the driving matures or deteriorates and as the car usage changes. To be able to do this, there are four broad capabilities that uh, an insurer needs to bring to the table. And many times the insurers like bringing it themselves, but in many cases they need partners Mm -hmm. who are more specialized in data and analytics to help them. The first one is use of data to create a golden customer record. Now what happens is because data is residing in multiple places in the organization and it is almost never complete, there is no golden customer record, which means you don't have a 360 degree view of the customer. So the first capability that needs to be created is to have these federated and consolidated data assets in the organizations which can actually provide a complete view of the customer so that you can actually create the service and product for the customer. The second one is to, uh, is to integrate internal and external data sources. Now, many times, most insurers have very rich internal data, though it's residing in different places but it needs to enrich that data using external sources. So the insurer may actually have data which is around uh, claims or policies or customer history, but it needs to use topographical data, climate data, um, catastrophe planning data, um, demographics, uh, financial data, and ability to integrate that internal and external data because, becomes extremely important. Yeah. For example, there's a UK insurer uh, which is using nimble cloud technologies to integrate data across 20 different systems and putting that together into a single data asset, because once you have that, then your ability to use that unified customer view for better call center interaction is phenomenal. And then there's a US insurer, which is actually using open a- API uh, portals to combine public and private data, proprietary insurance data, to be able to create this integrated value set. So. Once you actually have a good, reasonable data asset, then how do you basically bring that intelligence to the transactional decision? Over the last many years, we have seen that data analytics has matured quite nicely. So our ability to use data, so for example, there is claims data. You bring the claims data and you analyze the data and you say, what changes do I need to make in my business rules to, which can actually improve my claims outcomes, both for the insurer as well as for the insured, is easy. Yeah. But the important thing is, can you actually get that intelligence to that transaction? So when the claims lodgement is happening, when somebody's called, calling to register a claim, are you able to then use a data feed, a live data feed, which can actually bring intelligence and can give you propensity of a customer complaint, propensity of claims leakage, propensity of claims fraud. So move from data analytics to digital. And so that move from using Um, historical data for analysis to using live data signals is extremely important. And finally, an agile system to enable action, which means we all know that big technology change is expensive, takes time, we've got a long payback period. How do you bring nimble technologies, use of the cloud, use of agile technologies to create more data-driven, AI-driven capabilities to bring all of this together? As organizations go through this, you would, you can almost, um, uh, it's, very, it's very easy to think about what kind of challenges would typically exist. So first, like I said, data exists in functional silos, there's a claims data an underwriting data, pricing data, customer engagement data, and it's extremely difficult to get a comprehensive view because they're in functional silos on separate systems. So bringing that together is a challenge. The ability to integrate internal and external data, because you have your data and public data, how do you bring that together? Then moving from analytics to digital interventions. There's a ton of data, there's a ton of analysis available, but how do you bring that intelligence to a particular transaction? Yeah. And finally, and most importantly, change management. The ability for organizations to trust a, dis- a decision which is made by data.
1: So how far... Uh you know, how far are we in this journey? I mean, I'm talking about India specifically. Um, Are we reaching there? Uh, Are we now adopting uh, to these technologies? I know that uh, insurance being such a traditional medium, right? Uh, It's very tough to, you know, sensitize people uh, and get them to shift to technologies. So what what are your views uh,
2: on our journey? You know, that's a very interesting question. So uh, let's break this question into two parts. One is, is insurance a mature and large industry in India? And the second one is, um, how modern, how data-oriented, how tech-intensive uh, is uh, this insurance industry in India? So first of all, I think insurance as an industry is still not very mature in India because there are still a large number of people who are not insured. Uh, yeah. There's still a lot of risk which is not insured. Uh, now, one can see this as uh, a lagging indicator, but I also think that it is uh, it is telling us that uh, there's a ton of opportunity because there's so much of risk, which is still uninsured that the industry has huge growth potential. And that's why you find that many of the global insurers are so invested in India uh, because they see the growth opportunity. The second part is that whatever work is happening in India, is it cutting edge? Now, what you'll find very intriguing is that some of the best insurtech uh, ideas I've seen, some of the best work which is happening, though it's not happening at scale because the industry is still not very large, but some of the best more most innovative things that are happening I'm actually finding in India. And India is actually competing extremely well with respect to the sophistication of some of these data and digital technologies and insurance, whether it is a use of blockchain, whether it is a use of digital claims, whether it is use of uh, new business digital engines. Uh, so there is, uh, I think, from that perspective, uh, you know, India is is doing very well. It's it's uh, it's almost the same as when you compare India's mobile telephony network yeah. with some of the advanced yeah. countries. You find that India actually is in is, is in a better place in many ways. And the reason is because we basically just leapfrogged a few generations of that evolution. Uh, and I think the same thing is happening with respect to technology and digital insurance in India.
1: Fantastic what an answer in what ways with efforts from the industry nascom and exl organizations are empowering their clients across the insurance industries with real-time insights and enhancing their customer experience
2: so i think let's break this thing up uh, into uh, uh, two different levels i think at one level it's about what kind of functional capabilities we're bringing in yeah. and the second one is a little bit more philosophical so i'll likely come to that uh, in a bit at a functional level like i said uh, the broadly so there are broadly four uh, capabilities that insurers need and i think organizations like exl the larger bpm and data industry in india facilitated by nascom's effort is bringing to the table the first is around data management capabilities you know like we discussed one of the biggest challenges is how do you have data in a usable format in one place which can give you that view that give you comprehensiveness comprehensiveness that you can actually use. Uh, So all around creating data structures, creating an agile cloud-based data consumption model, the data governance, everything around data management. While I think there's a lot of um, demand for that, there's just not enough capability at scale available today. So organizations like eXL and others are actually uh, contributing to that. Uh, the second one is AI capabilities. Once the data is there in a reasonable format, you have uh, advanced analytics capabilities, machine learning capabilities to convert that data into useful information. Uh, again, that is something that uh, you know we are helping insurers with. The third one, very importantly, is digital intelligence, which is the ability to then bring that to a transaction, hmm. rather than just limit itself to changing business rules. Do you bring that intelligence so? Uh, let's take this claims example uh, which I spoke about. You can change the business rules to impact claims outcomes, but that takes time, that doesn't have the same impact. But if you can bring that intelligence to each and every claim transaction happening, um, it is much more powerful. Or if you can actually use um, third party consumer data to change the underwriting decision or the premium calculation when you're actually uh, underwriting a policy That particular transaction, then it becomes more important. So that's about bringing data digital intelligence. And finally, agile tech enablement. You know, rather than actually big, heavy technology implementations, which are multi-year, long payback, expensive. Can we enable all of this using the cloud, using AI technologies, and make it very, very nimble? So these are at a functional level where organizations like EXL and many others are helping insurers um, basically just uh, move forward. Yeah. But apart from this, at a more philosophical uh, level, I think it's about working with insurer, co- insurance companies to create the right impact using data. And, um, I look at the impact of data at three different levels. At one level, is it, is data making insurers more effective? Mm-hmm. The second one is, are they making insurers more ethical? And the third one is, are they actually making it more noble? So let's just think, talk about that for a minute. Effective is very straightforward. Whatever business decisions need to be taken is data help you in helping you taking better business decisions. So for example, if you are able to use data um, and personal pricing models, you can actually improve your court conversion rates, which means you can actually bring a quote to the uh, potential policy holder or to the market, which has got a much higher chance of converting into a policy. Yeah. So you improve the chances of actually writing your business if you use a database decision making. And I've seen areas where the code to conversion ratios have gone up from 10% to 15%, which is huge. So this is an example of how data can actually make um, organizations more effective. The second one is ethical. Now We've all heard about the bias in data hmm. because when you start using data without actually considering what bias it brings in, you can sometimes end up making effective decisions from a PL perspective, but not necessarily from a social perspective. Here's an example. Too much use of credit scores while taking decisions on whether you should be um, offering insurance to uh, somebody can sometimes means that you are not offering insurance to individuals who really need it the most, hmm. right? Uh, just because their credit scores actually may not be good. So there are times when data based decision making can bring these biases in. And I think working on how to address that bias so that you can not only make it an effective business outcome, but also make it the right business outcome. Uh, For example, I I know of insurance companies who are evaluating getting away from credit scores as a parameter for deciding pricing and underwriting decisions. And they want to make it on other parameters, but not credit scores, so that people who need it the most can actually get it. So that's about making using data to make uh, decision making more ethical. And finally, noble. There are so many places where data exists, where data can be used by insurance companies not only to improve claims outcomes and premium outcomes, but reduce risk. Uh, so, for example, most claims functions do catastrophe modeling to understand what kind of claims liabilities that they're carrying. That same data can be used so effectively in letting people know about potential threats so that you can at least save property and lives. It's about using the IoT data, which could be on your appliances or your variables, not only using that data to tell us how claims will be adjudicated or how pricing decisions will be made, but Hmm. using the same data feeds to help people manage risk better, which is getting to a more healthy lifestyle or doing preventive maintenance on their appliances, right? So which is the noble use of data, which is look beyond premiums, look beyond uh, claims, outcomes and get into making world a safer place. So as we work with insurance companies, we try and work with them on understanding how they are becoming more effective, how they're becoming more ethical and how they're becoming more noble. And it's a journey because it's a sort of a continuum of how you can actually use data for for what I call a higher purpose, and the insurance industry has got a tremendous opportunity of actually of doing of doing that.
1: On a lighter note, I would not want my insurance company to send me a notification every once in a while saying your heart is weak, sir. <laughs> you should work out. <laughs> <laughs> Could you share any case studies or specific use cases? where the effective implementation of BPM has resulted in measurable financial and operational benefits within the insurance industry.
2: There's impact created for certain insurers and then there's an industry-level impact. Hmm. Uh, Now, industry-level impact gets created when uh, you start creating industry solutions. Um, But let's just focus for the timing on impact being created for insurers and how they're using data for that. I'll try and give you examples along uh, along the... um, functional lines and also try and cover multiple uh, markets. Uh, so let's first talk about the new business part. This is when an insurance company is launching new products and uh, selling new policies. And here's an example for from a life insurer in the US. For a life insurer, when you actually want to launch a new product and you've got the product basics um, ready, it could take up to a year to launch a new product because you have to design a customer journey, you've got to get a customer strategy, you have to have the underwriting mechanism, you need to have a policy admin engine to support it, uh, you need to build the entire ecosystem, and historically we've seen insurance companies take up to a year to launch a new product. So it's expensive, it takes a year, and you know it's just one of those that is difficult to do. Now digital technologies are helping crunch this cycle time from one year to as low as three months. Oh, wow. Because with digital customer journeys, um, underwriting engines which are data enabled and digital, uh, an ecosystem, a partner ecosystem which can help you solve for components of that whole thing, uh, data driven policy admin engines, and a whole global delivery model which you can at least scale up much faster than just doing it in one geography. You are you're able to build this up and launch a new product. So. Uh, last year, we actually worked with uh, a U.S. insurer and crunched their cycle time from 12 months to three months, and were were able to launch this product for them. So here's an example of of new business. Uh, let's get to the next functional area, which is underwriting. Hmm. Um, when you're doing underwriting, um, if you, for example, look at property and casualty homes, um, you need to assess um, the existing uh, condition. Of a, of, of a home a roof uh, the surroundings the the topographical um, um, conditions uh, and many times uh, you either depend on the policyholder providing that information or you send a surveyor to go there have a look at it uh, but what we are doing for a UK insurer is using aerial imagery mm-hmm. that we are actually converting into um, uh, into a data asset um, by analyzing the, the image. Uh, and then, um, using that, converting that into a risk score. So we're using image analytics, uh, from the aerial imagery and converting that into a risk score, which is then being used by the insurer to take a decision on underwriting. So this is a data driven underwriting example. And the, uh, the benefit is that the underwriting decision costs much lesser and it can happen much, much faster rather than actually sending a surveyor there. And then finally, a claims example, uh, similar to what I had basically said earlier uh, at the stage when the claim is being lodged, can you actually use a live data signal, a signal which is basically using all the data residing in the claims engine. So think about uh, the claims engine, the structured data, the documents in the claims engine, the notes, the claims, notes uh, when the claim handler has been handling calls, all the data which is residing there. And based on that data is able to analyze it and send a signal saying, This claim, which is coming in from this policyholder with these conditions, has got an 80% chance of a complaint because of the following three reasons. And here is what is suggested that we do to basically avoid the complaint. Well, so that's an example. And we have actually worked with an Asian insurer and actually enabled this uh, this thing for them. So these are some great examples of um, of how you can actually impact new business. You can impact underwriting and you can impact claims not only in one particular market geography, but globally, to be able to create, to create some real meaningful value. What role do you see consumer education
1: playing in maintaining this trust with insurance companies? And have you noticed any shifts in consumer behavior regarding this matter over the years?
2: Oh, absolutely. I think um, there, there is tremendous change. I mean. Insurance as an industry is lagging many of the other financial services and other industries. So retail banking, they have uh, over the last many years, and particularly during the pandemic, actually have just leapfrogged, uh, accelerated uh, their digital uh, footprints in the way they interact with customers. Um, and I think they are sort of creating the benchmark which organi- which, ins- which which industries like insurance uh, need to follow. So first of all, consumer expectations are different today, purely based on the experience they have with retail, with uh, with banking and other uh, industries. Uh, second is um, consumers today are much more impatient. Uh, so don't want to wait for many years to get the next update on what's happening to their claims. Do not want to spend time waiting for a call center representation, representative to be available to uh, to take your uh, your claims notification, uh, cannot wait a long period of time to basically get a quote or a premium quote for, uh, for their insurance cover. So they're getting impatient and their demand for personalized products and services has gone up. Yes. So the behavior is changing and it's certainly going into insurance. And I think uh, while a lot of work is actually happening to present a digital front-end um, for consumers, the whole experience is not necessarily digital because, uh, you know, I always say that you could have the best digital front end. But if your bracket, if your back end is uh, is clunky and and old and broken and does not have the right data elements where the decision making is still very manual and is not data oriented, you can have a great digital front end, but the experience will not be digital. Um, So the insurers need to do a lot of work to make sure that the complete ecosystem actually is very digital and data-driven, not only the very fancy-looking front-end. And the last thing I will say is trust, and you mentioned this. You see, trust between the insured and the insurer actually has always been very important Uh, because in many ways, there is a bit of a philanthropic nature of the insurance industry that the industry is to provide risk coverage. and uh insurers always have to keep working and how do you keep that trust with uh, the policyholder. The pandemic in many ways a bit of, was a bit of a stress test because what happened was that suddenly there was a spate of claim categories that the insurers weren't very sure whether they are actually covering and the policyholders weren't very sure. And um, I think there was a bit of an erosion of trust uh, and many insurance uh, companies are actually uh, working on how do you build that trust back an example is um if let's say you are actually talking to a chat bot or you're chatting with a chat bot or you're talking to a virtual agent are you still feeling that you is there's an element of trust in that conversation or do you want to speak to a human being hmm. so the the answer possibly is that you need a combination for certain interaction types you can trust technology more but for certain interaction types types when you need to see advice when you want to see compassion when you want to see somebody there to provide you with a bit of a um, warm advice uh, you need to talk to human beings so a combination of human being is is required consumer expectations are changing rapidly Uh, i don't think they're getting digital experience even though the front ends may be digital
1: yeah
2: and i think trust is something that we need to keep working on in this new digital age
1: interesting that you pointed out about the the virtual chat bot uh, thing uh, the, the telecom industry says that uh, whenever a customer has a problem they'll wait a minute or more just to talk to an individual rather than pressing one two three in the IVR so uh, it's true I mean uh, you need to have a personalized uh, touch with the consumer itself um, moving on to the next question which is the final question of the podcast. What kind of retaining and upscaling do you believe will be needed for the insurance industry's human workforce to effectively collaborate with AI and data-driven systems? And how has NASCOM's talent management practices helped facilitate this?
2: I think uh, as AI and digital becomes more pervasive, uh, there are two things from a talent perspective that insurers, and organizations like EXCEL who are providers, service providers to insurers need to think about. I think one is a change of mindset, which is how can you be comfortable working with and working along AI? Um, Because these days when you look at, for example, customer interaction centers, it's a combination of chatbots and virtual agents and human beings. When you look at uh, claims processing, it's about straight through processing happening using uh, a digital process and then exceptions coming uh, to human beings to take uh, a judgment call on and 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 make a decision so it's about coexistence it's about trusting the uh, the ai to do what it's good at doing and then making sure that we are reskilling ourselves to do higher complexity work and working along with the ai and it's a journey that uh, the industry has been for a few years now, and progressing rather well. The second one is building scale in data and digital expertise, because now the demand for data and digital is so heavy that that no matter how much you scale up, there's just more demand. So how do you scale up? How does the education ecosystem, the industry participate and create that talent base to scaling up, which I think is a challenge globally. It's a challenge in India. Uh, as well, uh, though I must say that India's got a talent base, which I think is much uh, more extensive, much deeper in these areas. Uh, but over the next few years, we'll get tested. So one is, how do we coexist with AI and data? And second is, how do we scale up data and analytics capabilities? I think NASCOM has been playing its part extremely well. Over the last many years, NASCOM has facilitated uh, various industry frameworks, initiatives, helped build ecosystems, for wherever the industry is is heading, mm-hmm. and while their programs are uh, um, are many fold and working in multiple dimensions, the two which come to my mind, which I think are directly addressing this particular issue, is that uh, NASCON has has been working in creating a, a scalable skill base. So with a structured uh, skill development program. Uh, which along with other things is focused on specific domains like insurance, banking, uh, or travel, uh, or bank uh, or, or financial services. Uh, but along with that on data analytics and digital, which means that now um, um, resources which may not be experts in data analytics and digital can actually upskill themselves to be part of the digital workforce, which is a combination of AI and human beings. So I think that one uh, is working well. And the second thing, which is very important, again, is that it's about repositioning the industry because the industry has been evolving quite rapidly. Um, what was largely uh, a labor arbitrage-driven operations industry fifteen years ago is now about operations, technology, AI, data, digital. So it's much more value adding. It's much more futuristic than uh, what it was before, but. Many times one feels that the repositioning of this, both to the markets as well as to the talent, bases in India, hasn't been done enough Mm -hmm. because people outside the industry are not as aware uh, of the evolution which has happened. So NASCOM is doing this program now of of, uh, uh, sort of uh, repositioning the BPM industry around data and digital so that there's more awareness and with more awareness, we'll see more talent coming into the industry. So overall, the, the talent programs that NASCOM has initiated are wonderful. It's still early days, but I'm, I'm quite uh, hopeful that we'll see a, a lot of, uh, of goodness coming from it over the next few years.
1: Fantastic! Uh, I'd like to thank uh, you, Vikas, uh, for being here, being a part of this podcast. Thank you so much for your valuable time and these great insights that you have given uh, to our audience and our listeners today. Thank you so much for being a part of TechSectra.
2: Thank you, Ayush. It was wonderful, and uh, like I said, uh, you know, exciting times ahead. Lot of uh, opportunity, and um, and the pace at which uh, the industry is uh, is transforming
0: is is phenomenal. And that's it for this week's episode, please do let me know what you thought of it and what else you would want me to cover. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at undertecker. yes you heard that right, that's U-N-T-E-R-T-E-C-H-E-R. You can also give us feedback at HTSmartcast, we're present on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And please do log on to HTSmartcast.com and listen to all of our productions.